0: Hi, we're the misery machine. I'm Yergi. And I'm Drooby. And this week we're doing a case that has been requested many times over the lifetime of our podcast. And that's the Brandon Tina case.
1: Most recently our patron Bailey requested this. So thank you so much Bailey. And also YouTube user floss slash pug sunset one. So thank you so much. Yes.
0: Thank you for the recommendations. And obviously in light of pride month this is the last week of pride month. We felt it important to do this case. And if you're listening on YouTube, please hit like and subscribe. It's my birthday at the end of the week. Can you get us to 10,000 subscribers? We're almost at 10,000 subscribers. So this would be the best birthday present to me. I would love that so much. But without further ado...
1: Brandon Tina.
0: Brandon Tina was born on December 12th,
1: 1972.
0: So he's a Sagittarius. A Sagittarius in Lincoln, Nebraska. Sadly, his father died in a car accident in Lancaster County eight months before he was born. Brandon and his older sister Tammy lived with their maternal grandmother in Lincoln before they were reclaimed by their mother when Brandon was three years old and Tammy was six. The family resided in the Pine Acre Mobile Home Park in Northeast Lincoln. His mother Joanne received disability checks and worked as a clerk in a women's retail store in Lincoln to support the family.
1: As young children, Brandon and Tammy were sexually abused by their uncle for several years, and Brandon sought counseling for this in 1991. Joanne remarried once from 1975 to 1980. Brandon began identifying as male during his adolescence and dated a female student during this period. His mother rejected his gender identity and continued referring to him as her daughter.
0: Brandon and his sister attended Catholic school in Lincoln, where Brandon was remembered by some as being socially awkward. During his second year, Brandon rejected Christianity after he protested to a priest regarding Christian views on abstinence and homosexuality. He also began rebelling at school by violating the school dress code policy to dress in a more masculine fashion. During the first semester of his senior year, a U.S. Army recruiter visited the high school, encouraging students to enlist in the armed forces. Brandon enlisted in the Army shortly after his 18th birthday and hoped to serve a tour of duty in Operation Desert Shield. However, he failed the written entrance exam by listing his sex as male.
1: So I actually looked into that high school. We didn't list it in here originally because I couldn't figure out how we were supposed to say it. But I gave up and actually called the high school over the weekend so I could get their answering machine. Brandon went to Pius the Tenth High School, and yeah. it's usually listed as just Pius, Pius X. X.
0: Some people call it Pius X. When we were watching their local sports games for pronunciation, they would just call it Pius.
1: In December 1990, Brandon went to Holiday Skate Park with his friends, binding his breasts in order to pass his mail. In the months nearing his high school graduation, Brandon became unusually outgoing and was remembered by classmates as a class clown. Brandon also began skipping school and receiving failing grades and was expelled from Pius X High School in June 1991, three days before the high school graduation.
0: In the summer of 91, Brandon began his first major relationship with a girl named Heather. Shortly after, Brandon became employed as a gas station attendant to purchase a trailer home for himself and his girlfriend. Brandon's mother Joanne, however, did not approve of the relationship, and convinced Brandon's sister Tammy to follow Brandon in order to find out whether Brandon's relationship with Heather was platonic or not. So in January of 1992, Brandon underwent a psychiatric evaluation which concluded that Brandon was suffering from gender dysphoria. He was later taken to Lancaster County Crisis Center to ensure that he was not suicidal. He was released from the center three days later and began attending therapy sessions, sometimes accompanied by his mother or sister. He was reluctant to discuss his sexuality during these sessions, but eventually revealed that he had been raped by his uncle. In
1: 1993, after some legal trouble, which the movie Boys Don't Cry defines as Grand Theft
0: Auto... the the movie is very exaggerated, so if you're coming here... Only knowing this case through Boys Don't Cry, you're going to notice some different of information.
1: Yes. Brandon moved to the Fall City region of Richardson County, Nebraska, where he presented as a man. He became friends with several different residents. After moving into the home of Lisa Lambert, who you'd know in Boys Don't Cry as the character Candace, Brandon began dating Lambert's friend, 18-year-old Lana Tisdell, and began associating with ex-convicts John Lauder and Marvin Thomas Nissen, which they referred to as Tom.
0: On December 19th, 1993, Brandon was arrested for forging checks. Lana used money from her father to pay Brandon's bail.
1: In the documentary, the Brandon Tina story, it stated that Lana's father gave her a blank check to go get a haircut. And instead of going to get the haircut, she went and wrote out money for cash for the bail over at a local, I believe it was a convenience or grocery store, and then went and bailed Brandon out.
0: Because Brandon was in the female section of the jail, Lana learned that he was transgender. Brandon's arrest was posted in the local paper under his dead name and thereupon his acquaintances learned that he was assigned female at birth.
1: So if you're unaware with what a dead name is, it is the name that a transgender person would have been born with that no longer is used.
0: And for those that struggle with that, the way I look at it as... In a free country like we're in, we can legally change our names.
1: If you get married, you can change your name.
0: And just like in general, if somebody were to introduce themselves to me by a certain name, then that's the name I call them. Just like some people are born with a name that they don't like, so they go by their middle name. It's a real easy thing to do.
1: So during a Christmas Eve party, Nissen and Lauder grabbed Brandon and forced him to remove his pants, proving to Lana that Brandon had a vulva. Lana looked only when forced to and said nothing. Lauder and Nissen later assaulted Brandon and forced him into a car. They drove to an area by a meatpacking plant in Richardson County, where they assaulted and gang-raped him. They then returned to Nissen's home, where Brandon was ordered to take a shower. Brandon escaped from Nissen's bathroom by climbing out the window and went to Lana's house. He was convinced by Lana to file a police report, though Nissen and Lauder had warned Brandon not to tell the police about the gang rape or they would, quote, silence him permanently.
0: Brandon also went to the emergency room where a standard rape kit was assembled, but later lost. Sheriff Charles B. Law questioned Brandon about the rape, and he seemed especially interested in the fact that Brandon was transgender, to the point that Brandon found his questions rude and unnecessary and refused to answer, and... I mean, you can be the judge for yourself because we have the audio of most of the exchange right here.
2: Tom held your arms. Which way was he standing? Beside you, behind you, or what? Okay. And how'd he hold you? And then he took and Tom, uh, or, uh, John under your pants, right? And he pulled your pants down how far? Okay. Fast your knees. How far did he you pull your underpants down? Okay. what did you have in your underpants? Nothing in your underpants? You didn't have sock. Do you uh, run around once in a while with a sock in your pants to make you look like a boy? Alright, so after he you pulled your pants down, he seen you as a girl when he did. Did he ponder you any? He didn't fonder you any, huh? Didn't that kind of amaze you? After he you pulled your pants down, he wanted to take you to bed and you told him no that you was a boy and he couldn't do that. Didn't that kinda of get your attention somehow that he would have put his hands in your pants and play with you a little bit? Huh? I don't know why. I can't believe that if he pulled your pants down and you're a female, that he didn't see his hand in you. Do you fingering yeah. I can't believe he didn't. So when they got ready to poke you, how was you positioned in the back seat? On my back. He was on your back. Would he thrust back in the first half? I do He tried putting your back down, and you say you never had sex before. Is that correct? Right. Yeah, which one tried doing this first? Tom. And Tom couldn't get it in you? Huh? He said he couldn't, Alright. He said he couldn't get you... He said he couldn't get it in... Well, I know it hurts, so I could not know how it. And then when John got the vaccine, what did he do? He did everything I saw Alright. After he got his pants down, he got a spread of you, or had you spread out, and he got a spread of you then. Then what happened? Well, how did... Let's back up here for a second. First of all, you didn't see anybody getting it up. Did he have a hard on when he got back there, or what? I don't know. I didn't look. He didn't look. Did he take a little time working it up, or what? Did you work it up for him? No, I didn't. You didn't work it up for him? No. Then do you think he had it worked up on his own, or what? I guess no, I don't know. And you've never had any sex before? No. Did they do it one time for you, and then the other guy do one time and quit? Or did one guy do it, then the other guy do it, then the other guy come back and do it again, and the other guy come back and do it again? He each, each did it once. You want to file charges against these guys? Yes. You want to sign a complaint against them? Yes. Will you testify in court against them? Yes, sir. Why do you run around with girls instead of guys, being you're a girl yourself? Why do you make girls think you're a guy? I don't know. Again, it's the slightest idea. You go around kissing the other girls? The ones the girls that don't know about you think you're a guy. Do you kiss them? Okay. what happened last night. Because I'm trying to get some answers so I know exactly what's going on. Now, you wanna answer that question for me or not? I'll see why I have to. Huh? I'll see why I think you all have to. The only thing is if it goes to court, that answer, is that gonna come up in court. And I'm going to want an answer for it before it goes to court. See what I'm saying? You have what? I have a sexual identity crisis. You're what? I sexual identity crisis.
0: explain it? And some people might argue that it's normal police procedure to ask very specific questions about what happened in case it goes to court. But in my opinion of listening to this, I think he was very out of line. Very out of line. Now, in the movie Boys Don't Cry. You'd notice that they get a call from the sheriff's office that they have to be down there the next morning to give a statement on what happened. However, what really happened is they were taken in and they were both questioned. And while John Lauder denied it all, Tom Nissen admitted to all of it, despite their conflicting stories and from Tom Nissen, an admission of guilt the sheriff still let them both go for whatever reason. So because of the sheriff's inaction, these later events that you might already know from the movie follow. So around 1 a.m. on December 31st, 1993, Nissen and Lauder drove to Lisa Lambert's house and broke in. They found Lisa in bed and demanded to know where Brandon was. Lisa refused to tell them. Nissen searched and found Brandon hiding under the bed. The men then asked Lisa if there was anyone else in the house, and she replied that Philip Devine, who at the time was dating Lana Tisdale's sister, was staying with her. They then shot and killed Devine, Lisa, and Brandon in front of Lisa's young child. Nissen later testified in court that he noticed that Brandon was twitching and asked Lauder for a knife, with which Nissen stabbed Brandon in the chest to ensure he was dead. Nissen and Lauder then left, later being arrested and charged with murder. So
1: again, in Boys Don't Cry, they claim that Lana was there. She was not there when this happened. That's not how it went down. They also claim that her mother went to go find her there, and that's when the bodies of the deceased were found. That's not what happened. What ended up happening was Lisa Lambert's mother eventually went over to her house because she had not been picking up her phone and went in and realized something was amiss found her toddler there, noticed that there was a man sitting dead in the living room and just kind of spaced out and followed the task at hand to get the baby out of there.
0: And we'll get into how Boys Don't Cry portrays this because I... I think it's disgusting in retrospect, so. Nissen accused Lauder of committing the murders and in exchange for a reduced sentence, Nissen admitted to being an accessory to the rape and murder and later testified against Lauder. He was sentenced to life in prison and spared the death penalty in exchange for his cooperation. Lauder denied the veracity of Nissen's testimony and his testimony was discredited. The jury found Lauder guilty of murder and he received the death penalty. Lauder and Nissen both appealed their convictions, all of which have been denied. In September of 2007, Tom Nissen recanted his testimony against Lauder. He claimed that he was the only one to shoot Brandon and that Lauder had not committed the murders, which I don't understand. I think
1: I can understand it. If he's already been convicted of murder, life in prison, no death penalty, they can't get you on double jeopardy. So you could go ahead and then try to take it back to get the other person a retrial.
0: That does make sense. And
1: if you remember in the documentary, Lauder wasn't at all like how they portray him in Boys Don't Cry. No, not at all. Nissen, however, is disgusting. Yeah, I mean they're both disgusting people, but like Nissen is just evil.
0: It was strange. Lauder talked about everything that he did as if it happened, which is different because he denied ever doing anything. Whereas Tom Nissen, who admitted everything at first, now says to the documentary people who were doing it, yeah, I can't talk about this because of my appeal process. And I
1: told you about that. And I
0: told you about that ahead of time. And just so smug acting the entire time. Like,
1: I wanted to just slap him, whereas Lauder just seems like a just trashy, jolly person.
0: yeah. So Joanne Brandon, Brandon's mother, sued Richardson County and Sheriff Law for failing to prevent Brandon's death, as she should have, as well as being an indirect cause of murder. She won the case, which was heard in September 1999 in Falls City, and she was awarded $80,000. District Court Judge Orville Cody reduced that amount by 85% based on the responsibility of Nissen and Lauder and by 1% for Brandon's alleged contributory negligence. The judge felt that Brandon contributed to his own death, if you want to know what that basically means. This led to a remaining judgment of responsibility against Richardson County and Sheriff Law of $17,360.97. In 2001, the Nebraska Supreme Court reversed the reductions of the earlier award reinstating the full $80,000 award for mental suffering plus $6,223.20 for funeral costs. In October 2001, the same judge awarded Brandon's mother an additional $12,000, which was split up as $5,000 for wrongful death and $7,000 for the intentional infliction of emotional distress. Good on them. Yes. Yes.
1: So Sheriff Law was also criticized after the murder for his attitude towards Brandon. At one point, Law referred to Brandon as it. After the case was over, Law served as commissioner of Richardson County and later as part of his community's council before retiring as a school bus driver. He has refused to this day to speak about his actions in the case and swore at one reporter who had contacted him for a story on the murder's 20th anniversary. He did die recently this past year. Yes.
0: Yes, he did. Bye. <sighs> In 1999, Brandon became the subject of a biographical film entitled Boys Don't Cry, directed by Kimberly Pierce and starring Hilary Swank as Brandon and Chloe Sevigny as Lana Tisdell. For their performances, Swank won an Academy Award, whereas Sevigny was nominated for one. Lana Tisdale sued the producers of the film for unauthorized use of her name and likeness before the film's release. She claimed the film depicted her as, quote, lazy white trash and a skanky snake, end quote.
1: Lana also claimed the film falsely portrayed that she continued a relationship with Brandon after she discovered that Brandon was transgender. So if you remember from the film, in the prison scene, it depicted Lana and Brandon being totally still lovey-dovey. I guess that really wasn't the case. I guess the relationship allegedly ended according to Lana at that point. But they depict a continued relationship with sex scenes even further on in the movie. So she was not okay with this. And she eventually settled her lawsuit against the movie's distributor for an undisclosed sum. Which I find really strange. So they left Lana as Lana. They left her as her person, but they made Lisa Lambert into Candace. It's it's
0: strange to me. It's very strange. It's very strange, it's strange I how I they get, decided to do this. I mean, a lot of people retroactively have a lot of problems with this movie. My problem, I guess we can get into this now. My biggest problem with this movie is the fact that they don't even mention Philip Divine.
1: Yeah, that's gross. It, it is
0: total erasure of a senseless murder of a person of color like there's just no need of that like oh it just doesn't fit in the script it doesn't fit in the movie well they if this is based on real events portray them as they actually happened and that was my issue watching the movie it obviously you had
1: never watched it till I showed it to you
0: right and I thought it was I thought I honestly I thought it was terrible I thought it was bad it it obviously didn't age well but I thought that the representation was in poor taste
1: so I had a lot of problems with it and I have to admit when I was in my late teens early 20s I loved this movie because I loved any movie that Chloe Sevigny was in she was one of my favorite actresses she still is But like Drewby just said, they completely erased Philip Devine from the movie altogether. And it had that 90s feel that I guess a lot of 90s movies have. I don't
0: know about you, and I've seen other people levy this criticism too, but it felt like the way Brandon was portrayed, that they portrayed Brandon not as a transgender man but as a woman masquerading as a man. Yes. That's how it felt like to me. And I understand that between the 90s and now, it's come a long way. There's a lot more awareness and understanding of this. In the
1: 90s, we didn't have the language we have now.
0: Right, but...
1: But still, like, how they went about it, like, they understood what transgender people were. They just had different language for it.
0: I mean, Brandon even said in the movie, I'm a man, I'm a man. So it's not as if the director didn't know. But still, the way in which Brandon was framed, and I think the only way you'd be able to understand it is seeing the movie itself. And honestly, I don't really recommend the movie at all. I'd recommend seeing the documentary. If you are interested in this case, I don't recommend seeing Boys Don't Cry. I just, it's not a good movie if looked at as like film as an art form, and it's just not historically accurate. And I don't feel like it did Brandon justice at all.
1: Or Philip Devine.
0: Or Philip, clearly not Philip Devine. So
1: another thing I found really interesting, Druby and I found a YouTuber that did an analysis of Boys Don't Cry as far as how accurate it was or just, you know, how well it aged. And this YouTuber really felt that the director used this as an art form to express their own coming of age as someone who thought initially that they were a lesbian but came out as someone who was non-binary. And kind of use the movie to express that and use liberties, I guess. And rather than telling the story of Bran and Tina, really just infuse their own coming-of-age story into it, if that well, makes any sense. Well,
0: that coming-of-age story was not brought up in subject until decades later, if if I'm remembering correctly. So I'm wondering if this kind of personal story was now retroactively infused into the movie based on the rampant criticisms towards the director that, in retrospect, Boys Don't Cry is framed a bit transphobically.
1: I don't know. I just thought it was a really interesting take.
0: It should be noted that in previous interviews, to the ones that we're referencing, the director referred to Brandon as a woman and talked about Brandon as a woman trying to be a man. So take that for what it is. Whereas the entire time, and I'll give credit to Hillary Swank, Hillary Swank seemed to be ahead of her time in her verbiage in this always referred to brandon as a man understood that what she was doing was playing a transgender man and not a woman trying to be a man where the director was not properly speaking about that at the time and if you think i'm grasping at straws i mean one of the big criticisms and the more obvious criticisms against the director is putting brandon's dead name at the end of the movie which even if everything was done right in the movie, it just... It, it almost felt like... felt
1: like a slap in the face. Yeah,
0: it, it, it's like, what did you just make this whole movie for then? If you're just going to have that be right at the ending. I don't understand it.
1: I don't either. So speaking of pronouns, Joanne Brandon, who was Brandon's mother, publicly objected to the media referring to her child as he and Brandon. Following Hilary Swank's Oscar acceptance speech... Joanne Brandon took offense at Swank thanking Brandon Tina and for referring to him as a man. However, in 2013, Joanne told a reporter that she accepted Brandon being referred to as a transgender man in the media.
0: Although she was unhappy with the way Boys Don't Cry portrayed the situation, she said about the film, quote, It gave gay and transgender advocates a platform to voice their opinions, and I'm glad of that. There were a lot of people who didn't understand what it was Brandon was going through. We've come a long way." When asked how the murder affects her life today, Joanne replied, "...I wonder about how my life would be different if Brandon was still here with me. Brandon would be such a joy to have around. Brandon was always such a happy kid. I imagine Brandon being a happy adult." And if being happy meant Brandon living as a man, I would be fine with that, end quote.
1: Brandon was buried at the Lincoln Memorial Cemetery in Lincoln, Nebraska. His headstone is inscribed with his dead name, with the epitaph, and I quote, daughter, sister, and friend,
0: end quote. So if you're listening on YouTube and you appreciate the episode, please hit like and subscribe. This is the easiest way to help support our channel and it doesn't cost you anything at all. Hit the bell notification. It ensures you never miss any of our episodes as soon as they come out. If you could leave a comment down below saying where you're from, we love hearing where our listeners are from. We've gotten a number of great comments from people all over the world and it helps keep us going in doing this podcast. If you're listening on the other platforms, if you could hit subscribe on there easily helps us just as much we're not just a YouTube only platform it's just where most of our audience is we also have a very wonderful group of people that have gone the extra step to support us on Patreon so let's thank those people now
1: yeah so thank you Eddie, Rowan, Marky, Holly Ashley, Vu, Serena, Chloe Mark, Tara, Sophie Karen with an E-A Neil and Karen Dave and Karina Dakota Kitty Jen, Mo, Jenny, Nora Robin, Tom, Kaylee Alex, Jacob, Victoria Bailey, Stephen Casey, C-Asia Amanda, Pat. Petr- Trisha, alexis kareen sarah Catherine, welcome jody
0: welcome jody and levi and levi our highest tier patreon supporter there's his lovely picture right now and if you too want to support us on patreon patreon.com slash the misery machine you get access to all of our secret episodes you get access to our secret discord and snapchat groups and you may even get a postcard a
1: haunted one
0: patreon.com slash the misery machine but until next week we love you we love you Bye. Bye.